Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast we have part two in this little mini-series called What to Pray and How to Pray. Last week we looked at the what to pray angle. Today we look at Jesus' teachings on how we are to persevere in prayer, to keep seeking, to keep knocking, to keep asking really good stuff here that I think you'll find helpful. So without further ado, let's go ahead and head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Last week I started a message I said would be a two-part message, what to pray and how to pray. Last week we looked at what to pray, and Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer as recorded, the version recorded in Luke chapter 11. And that was kind of the what to pray section, so today we look at the how to pray. Does anybody want to know how to pray? Yeah. Constantly, yes, I know. And really, this passage, it gets at our posture towards God as we pray. And so Jesus is talking here about perseverance. So in Luke, if you have your bulletin on the front page, Luke chapter 11, 5 through 6 says this. And he, Jesus, said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if your child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I have uh, been playing music professionally in some capacity since I was a teenager. And when I look back over the influences, musical influences that I've acquired over the years, it's, 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 sort of a weird, it's sort of weird how I came across certain musical influences. It seems kind of random. And one such really influential group on my life, uh, I was introduced to them when I was in eighth grade. And I was introduced to him because there was this girl named Kim that I really liked, who was in ninth grade. 
And most ninth grade girls are not interested in dating eighth grade boys. Most eighth grade girls are not interested in dating eighth grade boys. <laughs> so I was looking for any kind of inroad, any kind of point of connection. And she was real, Kim was real into like new wave music. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what's cool at that point in my life. And I noticed she had this poster of this Irish rock band called U2. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go buy a U2 album. It was, it was a good chance encounter in my life. I went out and bought U2's Joshua Tree on cassette because that's what you did back in the 80s. I recently found that album on uh, vinyl a couple of months ago. And still to this day, it's like I never get tired of that album. I love, I love it from start to finish, every single song. It's, it's just great. Um, but there's one song in particular on that album that you 2 caught a lot of flack for back uh, when the album came out. And it's a song called, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. You remember that one? It's still played to this day. It's one of their biggest selling songs. But up to that point in U2's career, they had been this rock band, but they were three of the four members were devout Christians, and they weren't ashamed to wear their faith on their sleeve sort of you know, in their music. And so the albums preceding that, I mean, you can actually sing some of their songs in worship. They're, they're, they're so filled with, with faith. But on the song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. It gave a lot of Christians pause because Bono sings this, this one line in there. He says, I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one. Bleed into one. Can I get an amen? And yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds, and you loose the chains. You carried the cross of my shame, of my shame. You know I believe it. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Everybody in the church is tracking with Bono. Yes. Preach it, Bono. And then he says, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And everybody's like, huh, what? What do you mean you have you just talked about experiencing the, the freedom that comes in Christ? You believe in the in, in the day where, where 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 there'll be unity and everything will come together. You, you believe in that, but, but you still haven't found what you're looking. What, what do you mean? And I remember even as a teenager listening to that song. What was he talking about here? Have you found what you're looking for or not? But I have to say the over the years, particularly in my own spiritual journey, I've come to understand what I think Bono was getting at in that song. It's about thirst, about seeking, about questioning. We have tasted of the age to come. We've tasted of the goodness of God. But we live in the now and the not yet. We live between what Jesus started in his ministry and the fulfillment of it. And this is one of the reasons I believe Jesus said, pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because hello, when we look around today, there's a lot of beauty. and A lot of good things going on in the world. There's a lot of things that are uh, very cool. We see advances in science. We see diseases being eradicated. We see people getting pure water, clean water. In places where they never had it before, electricity. We see all kinds of advancements. We see all kinds of human flourishing. But we also see violence and hatred and corruption and greed. 
And you know what? It's not just out there. It's in the church. It's in our own struggles, right? And so we live in this tension between the now and the not yet saying, I've found what I'm looking for, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You, 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 you hear me? See, when I first became a Christian as an adult, I, like most people in modern American Christianity, I was given a version of Christianity that was all about certainty, nailing down the doctrinal furniture and the theological concepts and putting them in a nice little box and sitting on that box and waiting till Jesus comes back. I was told that, that that's what faith is about. You, you, you figure out what you believe and you hold on to it. Basically, faith was presented to me as the only thing that matters is that you pray this prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. And as long as you show up to church on a reasonably consistent basis and drop a tithe check in, by the way, then that's the whole point. And I got to tell you, I don't think there's a lot of pastors out there that would disagree with that as the point of Christianity. If we can just expect, if we can just get people to... Come to church, pray the prayer, and then keep showing up and serving the church. I mean, that's, that's it. But I don't know about you. After experiencing a few years of that as a young, Christ, young Christian, I began, to, I began to ask some questions. And I found out very quickly questions were not uh, encouraged in church. And I wasn't asking questions as somebody who... You know, hated God. I, I was asking questions because I cared. Because I, 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 I thought deeply about these things. And I would go to my pastor. I'd say, well, what about this? Oh, no, no. We don't ask those kinds of questions. That's, that's, that's unbelief. That's doubt. Or even worse, it's rebellion. You know, if, you, if people start asking questions like that, it's going to threaten this whole thing that we're trying to do here. Don't question. Just take our word for it. And so I found myself, like many people, just kind of pushing the questions down and going along with things. And I think there's tons of people today that, that they take their doubts, they take their questions, and if they get that kind of response from people, they either push them down or eventually they just leave church because church isn't a safe place to ever have any doubts because church is, is about certainty. It's about knowing without a shadow of doubt everything that you believe and holding on to it and fighting over it. <laughs> Defending it. But what I see here is something very different. Because Jesus doesn't ever ask us to settle for a static faith that is all about certainty. But he encourages us in how to pray. And how we pray is we keep seeking. We keep knocking. We keep asking. And you know when we do that? We don't find ourselves outside of our spiritual tradition. We actually are finding ourselves digging down to the roots of what this tradition is. There's a story, I I referenced it in, in your outline, in Genesis 32. And it's a story of this guy, Jacob. Jacob's name, actually, the, the Hebrew for Jacob is supplanter. 
If you read the story of Jacob, I mean, from the moment he's coming out of the womb with his brother Esau, they were twins, he's grabbing at Esau's foot trying to get out first. I mean, and that's the story of his life. And so they name him Supplanter. He's like, and, and his whole life story, he's, he's scheming and conniving and deceiving people to get what he wants. You know, he finds his brother at a moment of weakness where his brother's really hungry and, and, and tricks him out of, you know, gets him to give over his, his birthright. And then he tricks his dad, who's got bad eyesight, and he's about to die to, to blessing him as the firstborn, even though he was, he was a twin, but he was still the secondborn. So, I mean, he's just kind of a, a shifty character for a lot of his life. And it finally all starts catching up with him. And he's on the run, and then one night... He bumps into God as, as a human appearance of God in the Old Testament. And it says that he wrestled with God all night. And God says, let go of me. And he says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And so God touches his hip. I don't know if he knocks it out of socket or whatever. You can read the whole story. But, but from that point on, he walks as a limp, but God blesses him, and God changes his name from supplanter to one who wrestles with God. Israel, that's the actual name, Israel, wrestling with God. That's kind of fundamental to our whole faith journey here. (laughs) The the guy who gets the name for the, the whole group of people who get the covenant, Israel, It means wrestle with God. And yet, we've made Christianity about don't wrestle with anything. Don't ask questions. Just take things how they are, even in your own prayer life. how, How often are we guilty of praying these kind of prayers? Like, you know, God... You're, you're on the throne, and you're in control. If you could help us a little, that'd be cool. But, you know, I know you're going to do whatever you want to in the end. No. We ought to be the kind of people that say, God, come on. What's the matter with you? We're dying over here. A little help? Oh, I know I'm pe- making people nervous here. <laughs> Hear some thunder. <laughs> Now I say that, have you ever read the book of Psalms? I mean, I love the fact that our Holy Bible, it's got some crazy books. In the middle of the Bible, the largest book of the whole Bible, the one that takes up the most space, is a collection of album lyrics. I love that. Lyrics and poetry. And, and some of the psalms, man, they will stir your heart to worship and praise God. They'll inspire you in your quiet time. But some of those verses in psalms, man, you, you feel like you couldn't even say those things in polite company, much less sing them in church. I mean, they're, they're pretty, pretty graphic and filled with raw emotion and anger and disappointments. I was trying to find a psalm, but I, I finally gave up. I kept reading. There's so many psalms that say things, and, and this is a typical kind of thing of the psalms. It'd be like, where are you, God? Arouse yourself from sleep. <laughs> the bad guys are winning right now. The bloodthirsty ones, the ones that lie and deceive and rob poor people. They're winning right now, but your chosen people, the one that you call your children... 
The one that you have a covenant with? Hello? We're losing. Where are you? We don't feel like we can say that stuff in church, right? What is it's in our book. It's in our roots. Jesus says, keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. And you will find. You know, for some reason, over the last couple of years, I have had multiple people contact me almost on a weekly basis locally and people from around the country, Facebook friends and folks get in touch with me who are really struggling with doubt. And I've had a few conversations recently and I was talking to this one friend of mine and, you know, he's been very involved in the church. He loves the church. He serves in the church. Sings on the worship team. And he, he's, he's struggling with whether he believes in God or not. And he called me, you know, we talked the other night for a couple of hours. He goes, man, I'm so sorry. I know you're a pastor and you got all kinds of things on your plate. And here I am just unloading on you and all this stuff. And I know you've got probably better things to do. I said, no, this is the thing to do. Like, this stuff matters. I'm not here to, to judge you or convert you or offer you apologetics. But I do believe that there's something in this conversation that we're having that if there is a God, he's present in this. My friend just began to share with me. He goes, look, he says, I believe that Jesus is the only hope for this world. I don't know if he's God, but I believe he's the only hope for this world. Like if we don't start following the teachings of Jesus, we're all going to kill each other. I think that's where this thing's going. If we can't offer forgiveness, if we can't love our enemies, we're doomed as a human race. He says, I want to believe that Jesus is God. In fact, I consider myself a follower of Christ, even though I'm considering myself an atheist right now. He says, I pray every day. I pray, God, will you please reveal yourself to me in a way that convinces me? You know what would convince me. I don't even know what it is. I want to believe. And so every day he prays the same prayer. And I got to hand it, I got to tell you, I mean, I think this guy who would call, call himself an atheist Christ follower at this point in his journey, I think he's actually closer to God than the person that's been in church all their lives and has never asked a question. If you've never asked a question in your life concerning your faith and your belief, if you've never interrogated your own worldview uh, from the perspective of Jesus, if you've never if you never questioned any of this or the church, you know you have a faith that's a, a mile wide and an inch deep. And the truth is that I'm not worried for my friend because I believe that what Jesus ha- said is going to happen. I believe that he's seeking. He's asking. I ain't worried about him. I'm not worried about any of my... And the thing that I tell people all the time, because I've got so many friends that are atheists and agnostics, I just tell them, don't stop seeking. Don't stop seeking. Now, there's, there's certain 
certain people in the new atheist movement that say they're, they're, they're just opposed to there ever being the, the possibility of being a god. And I don't care how brilliant you think you are. It, that's just stupid to say that there can't be a god. I mean, it's just scientifically. You can't rule that out, okay? But for the person that's struggling with trying to, how does, you know, and my, my friend's biggest, his biggest objection to faith is if it, God is God, how come he hasn't made it more clear to us? (laughs) Less ambiguous. And I'm like, I'm with you, dude. If I have an objection, that's my objection. Why is it that here we are 2,000 years after the Bible was written, a Bible that was written over 1,500 years by multiple authors at multiple different times in multiple different genres, and we're trying to figure out from, from this vantage point what it all meant, and we can't come to any kind of consistent uh, a consensus on it. That's why we have some 40,000 Christian denominations to this day. 40,000 denominations can't be wrong. <laughs> Which are dividing over our interpretation of these scriptures... I, I got to tell you, I sometimes find myself praying, God, Jesus, why can't you just come down just for 10 minutes and have a press conference <laughs> and just set us all straight? I mean, I think we need a reset here. Just make it clear to us. Make it clear to everybody. I totally get that objection. If, if I have an objection to faith, it's that. But all I can figure out in this, and even looking at this passage here, and looking back at Jacob, and looking at the Psalms, is there must be something in God's nature that values curiosity and seeking and asking. I mean, really, how fun would this world be if we came into it and we already knew everything? Oh, the joys of creativity, being able to explore sounds and put melodies together and write lyrics and paint paintings and and make films and build houses and and uncover the depths of, of, of somebody else's heart in a relationship over years and years. Oh, to look into mystery and see mystery is not a, a place that is not of God, but the very place we encounter God. I got to think when I look at the words of Jesus that perhaps the reason God's not holding a press conference is because he loves his kids to keep looking. He's playing divine hide and seek. But however God is, My prayer for those who are struggling with doubts is, God, give them your spirit. Reveal yourself, your actual presence to them. Because I know that the person that is struggling with all kinds of intellectual things cannot be convinced with intellectual arguments. I mean, I love watching debates between, you know, this guy and this guy and stuff, but, I mean, even in the political realm, does anybody ever win from a debate? Does anybody ever get converted by, you know? <laughs> does anybody ever get converted by, oh, that guy really posted a valid argument on Facebook. It changed my life. 
doesn't happen. But what does happen in our lives with one another and with God is when we experience presence. And I told my friend the other day, I said, look, if if there is a God, and if he's Jesus, and if he has loosed his Holy Spirit on this earth, then I think what we're doing right here, right now, even though we're talking long distance, late at night, I think we're creating a space for God to dwell. We are becoming, as Paul said, the temple of God's Spirit. And in this space, without trying to convert one another or change one another, but in open, honest, seeking God together, we are hearing God's voice through one another. And I ultimately, when I look at my own journey, yes, I have had a handful of of, of very powerful experiences that I will call God. (laughs) Scientists might call them, you know, brain chemicals or something. I'm going to call them God. They seem to change my life. But it has been finding God in the questioning and the seeking and the knocking. Living with the peace of Christ, but yet at the same time having a divine discontent. I believe in the kingdom come where all the colors will bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Jesus says, if, is there any um, among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? That'd just be cold-blooded, huh? Can I have an egg? How about a scorpion? (laughs) How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, I love where this whole section goes, even with the Lord's Prayer that we looked at last week. The ultimate answer to our prayers is not even our physical needs being taken care of. It's God giving us Himself. And that's what we all need at the end of the day. And so if we keep asking, God's not going to, ah, they want, they want, you know, they want something to eat. How about this? God's going to give us himself. He's going to give us his spirit. I want to close with a little quote from Henry Nowen. We and Dina were talking about this, what I was going to teach on yesterday, and, um, She was reading a book, and and, and I I thought this quote was really fit good. He says, you are a Christian only so long as you look forward to a new world, so long as you constantly pose critical questions to the society you live in, so long as you emphasize the need of conversion both for yourself and for the world. So long as you in no way let yourself become established in a situation of seeming calm. So long as you stay unsatisfied with the status quo and keep saying that a new world is yet to come. 
You are Christian only when you believe that you have a role to play in the realization of this new kingdom. And when you urge everyone you meet with holy unrest to make haste so that the promised might soon be fulfilled. So long as you live as a Christian, you keep looking for a new order, a new structure, a new life. Or as Bono would say, I believe in the kingdom come, but I still haven't found it. We're going to close with communion today. And we're going to take communion in light of this tension that we find ourselves in. And when we come to the table, we celebrate the broken body of Christ, the shed blood of Christ. When Jesus hung suspended between heaven and earth, received by neither holding our humanity up before divinity, taking the worst that we could throw at Him and offering forgiveness, giving us a window into what heaven will look like while also standing in the ugly realities of this world. When we come to the table today, we celebrate this new covenant. We celebrate the incarnation of Christ that He stepped into our world. And we ask Christ to be born in us. We come to this table today. We look to the day when all the colors bleed into one. When the kingdom comes in its fullness and there is no more war, no more violence, no more lack, no more hunger or disease. We come to this table today. We say, God, let your kingdom come in us and through us. So I'm going to invite the communion team people, everybody I've asked that has agreed to. Give communion this morning. And if, if you're new here, the way we do communion here, we take the, bo- the, the bread representing the body of Christ and we dip it in the cup. So as I just do this next song, feel free to make your way up uh, to one of these three communion stations. And then we will close by praying the Lord's Prayer together.